about what Christ has done for you? Are you thankful for what he's accomplished? Are you? That's, that's why we lift high the name of Jesus. This is the best thing that we do all week is when we gather together with people. Hey, you're, you have a story. Your life's been changed by Christ. And we, because of that, our hearts, we just want to. We want to give him the praise. He's worthy of it. Amen? Father, thank you so much for sending your son. Thank you that, that there's nothing that can stand between us now. It is Christ. You are the mediator. You are the one. Because you paid for our sin. It's done. And now we can stand righteous, forgiven before you. So Lord, we lift high the name of Jesus in our worship today. We just declare you are worthy. You are holy. There's no God like you. And we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you can find your seats. And if you would, uh, get your Bibles out. My name is Jeff. I'm a pastor here. It is my privilege. I get, I, I get to preach the Bible. Uh, we love to study God's Word. If you don't have a Bible, um, you can uh, join us on your phone on the Bible app. You can find our events and follow along there, or you'll notice our ushers are coming around. Uh, they can give you a physical copy. Uh, we, the reason we get into this is because we just need to hear from God. You don't need to hear from me. We need to hear from the Lord, okay? And uh, so we're going to get into the book of Psalms today. Uh, we are going to be in Psalm 63 this morning, and we are kind of finishing this series, 100 Stories, but it's not just a series. This is really our vision for the entire year. As we are pursuing the presence of God, we are praying that He is going to write 100 stories this year of lives transformed by the glory of God, and He's already at work. He's doing it. And uh, we, we, just so you know, if you haven't had a chance to, we've got a spot on our website. It's our 100 Stories page. That's where you go, and you can read some of the stories of what God is already doing. We've got a, a new one from the Billmans this week, so encourage you get up there. We want you to be able to capture and, and uh, share these stories of how God is at work. As we saw a couple weeks ago, we saw from 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This is the verse. I have it on the screen. Uh, I would love for you to have this memorized. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Paul says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Th those were the words of Paul. And last week we saw, when Paul encountered the glory of God, it was overwhelming and it changed his story. It changed his life. And we've said that, that when you encounter the glory of God, it's like, it's like drinking from a waterfall, all right? And you just like picture trying to drink from a waterfall. It's overwhelming, and yet it's, it's satisfying. Like, why would I want anything else than this? And drenched in his glorious presence, that's going to change your story. So today I want to look at how God's glory is not just overwhelming, but how God's glory is satisfying. Where are you looking for satisfaction? It's really important to know where to look, isn't it? Uh, anybody else into Where's Waldo? Anybody ever got into that? Like, okay, I'm like dating myself. I get it. Uh, but a few years ago, uh, my oldest daughter, Jolie, and I, we, we got into Where's Waldo. And, and, and the way this works is there's this little guy. You, you've seen Waldo. You all know what I'm talking about. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. Everybody understand what I'm saying? Okay, Waldo, he's got like red and white hat and everything. And, 
and you've got to find him on the page somewhere, and there's all sorts of people that look like him, and so you think, oh, there he is, and then you realize that's not it. So, you, uh, so the way this would work is Jolie would sit next to me, and we'd have the book open. It's like two pages, and you've got to find him somewhere on this two pages, and she was really good at it, but a lot of times what would happen is I would find where Waldo was, and I wouldn't tell her where, but I would give her, a, like, like here's, here's, here, look, on, look, on, look on this page. Because if she's looking over here, if you're looking in the wrong place, you're not going to find what you're looking for, right? You got to know where you're looking. Where are you looking for satisfaction? Answer this. This might help you. Uh, if you could just fill in the blank here. If I just had fill in the blank, then I'd be happy. If I could just have fill in the blank, whatever that is for you, then I'd be happy. See, the crazy thing is we, we, we look in all sorts of places uh, to try to fill that blank. Maybe, maybe it's health. If I could just be healthy, if I like, never had to worry about sickness or cancer or anything crazy like that, and all my loved ones, if I could have everybody around me healthy, then, then I'd be happy. Or, or it's money. And I just need more money. More, more money. And, and I'm not like talking like, crazy. I don't want to be like super rich or anything, but I just want to be like pay all my bills and, and have some freedom and some flexibility with my finance. Maybe get a bigger place to live and, and just have a sense of security. You know, like if I could just have that sense of security, then, then, I'd, then I'd be happy. Or maybe it's friends. Maybe, maybe it's like, I just like people. Like I'd, I'd love to have my people. I'd like to have more people. I'd like to be kind of popular. I'd like to have a lot of invites on the weekend stuff to do it. Uh, that would make me really happy if I knew that a lot of people liked me. Or time. Oh, man, like we all want that, right? Like if I could just have more time. I just need, I need more time to do what I want to do. Or, 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 or maybe it's success on the job. I want a sense of, of real purpose in my work, and I want people to notice me in that, right? I, like that, that would be satisfying to me. Or, or, or maybe it's my kids. I, I would love to have successful kids. Everything's Everything's great with them, and, 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 and everybody likes them too. That would, that would make me feel fulfilled. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's like fantasy football championship or something crazy for you. Maybe it's finding the perfect boyfriend, like the combo of, of Dwayne Johnson and Mr. Darcy who goes to church. I don't know what it is for you, but something, I, I just want that. If I could just have that, then I'd be satisfied. So just be honest with me. If you could answer that question, where, where am I looking? For satisfaction. Psalm 63 actually tells us where we should be looking. And I'm going to give you the big idea if you're taking notes this morning. Here it is. Before we dive into the text, here's our big idea. When I seek God and see Him, His glory is satisfying and it makes me sing. See, when I seek God and I, when I see Him, His glory is satisfying. And then I just got to sing about it. Which means the opposite is also true. When I seek anything else for satisfaction, I'm just going to find that it's emptiness and it makes me miserable. Don't want that. So Psalm 63, if you're there, follow along with me as I read, starting in verse 1. This is a psalm of David. It says when he was in the wilderness of, Ju of Judah, excuse me, verse 1, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. 
And because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be, see it, satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. And when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. And my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you four things that people do who find satisfaction. Okay? This is, this, if, you, if you want to find satisfaction, this is what people do who find satisfaction. Number one, you see it right there in verse one. Seek God. Seek God. They're praying, okay? And, and, and here's his prayer. He says, oh God, you are my God. That, that, this is David's prayer kind of revealing his heart and what he's doing. He's just kind of treasuring this personal relationship that he has with God. So, so do you have a personal relationship with God? Not like, yeah, yeah I believe in God. Yeah, he's, you know, I'm, you know we're cool. like, do you have a personal relationship with God? Is he your God? And, and I don't mean that in some belittling sense of ownership as though he's some commodity, but it's really putting yourself rightly under God to basically say what we've already sung. You are holy. You are God. I'm not. I am created. You are creator. I have a beginning. You did not. You are, there's no God like you. And you're my king. You're in control. I'm putting myself under you. Is that the kind of relationship that you have with God? He's, he's my God. And David says, earnestly, I seek you. That's not passive, okay? That, that, that's not like, you know, like, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll look for God. I'll keep an eye out for him. And if I see him, I'll let you know. Like, that's not what he's, this, there's, this, there's urgency here. I'm going after you. In fact, this, this word in the Hebrew actually seems to have connotations of, of early dawn. It's almost as if David is saying, the first thing in the morning, first thing I do when I get out of bed, I'm seeking you. That's what I'm doing. I roll out of bed. When you roll out of bed, the first thing you do is probably grab your phone, right? And if it's a really busy day, you got a lot of things going on, you get out your phone, you get your to-do app, and you start looking at all the things out there. The first thing, number one, the biggest priority, this is what I got to do. First thing, seek God. Is my top priority a passionate pursuit of the presence of God? See, if you want your life to be one of these 100 stories of lives that are transformed by the glory of God, then it starts here. God's got to be number one. He can't be a second. He can't be a distant third. This isn't some, some like, I'll, I'll get around to it eventually. Like, yeah, I'd like to spend more time with God. I'll try to read my Bible a couple times this week. Or I don't know, like, I got to check my schedule and see what I got going on this weekend. I, I, like, I hope I can go to church. Like, I, I don't know. Or I, I'm really glad I made it today. It's like, glad I got it here, but I, I can't commit too much because I I don't know what's going to be going on there. Like, I don't want to, I, I'm, I'm being afraid I'm, I might miss out on something else. Some other opportunity might come up. That's not it. This is not what he's saying. It is my top priority. This is what I want. This is what I'm looking for. This gets me out of bed in the morning. I just want you. I want you. I want to fill in that blank with you. If I could just have you, God, then I would be happy. If you're like me, you probably have to confess that there's just some times where uh, I try to fill in the blank with a whole lot of other stuff, right? That that's not always my top priority. And so not in a sense of guilt, but in a sense of desire. Like, Lord, I want that to be you. 
What a, what a powerful prayer. We didn't even get past the first line, and that just kind of wrecks me. Oh, God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. Did you pray that with sincerity? Like, if you said those words, would that be true of you? You are my God, and I'm going after you with everything I got. Is that true of us? My soul, he says, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So he's given us this really, uh, uh, this imagery here for us. And, and it's kind of hard for us to picture this. Remember, uh, the, at the beginning of this, it says that David was in the wilderness in Judah. It's really hard for us to kind of uh, like imagine a world where you're that parched, where you don't have that, you can't just turn on the faucet or, or you can't just like go and find a drinking fountain or a vending machine. Or like, I mean, in our world, we can just pop into almost any place you want and they're going to have water. So it's kind of hard for us to imagine that. But if you can, just picture it. Picture being in a place that's, that's dry and it's hot and your head is pounding and, and your vision is blurry and your lips are, 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 are like dried and cracked and bleeding. Your tongue is stuck to the roof of your mouth. If that's you, what's on your mind? You know, like, the one thing that I want is water. That's it. I need water. That's what David is trying to help us understand. This isn't just some, like, I think I want a little bit of God. This is deep desire. It's desperation. I need God. That's what David is praying here. I want him. And if you want to be satisfied, if you want to find satisfaction in life, then you need to seek God like you're in a desert, and the only thing that could save you is him. So four things that people do seek God. Here's, here's the second. Uh, see his glory. See his glory. Look at verse 2. David says, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary. So what's going on? David is remembering uh, gathering together with God's people to worship the Lord corporately. Okay, so, so he's just like thinking about times where he encountered God when he was worshiping. Is that your experience is that your expectation? Do you, do you come with this, like, we're going to meet with God. We are going to see the glory of God. That's what we want. When we gather together, we're lifting high the name of Jesus. We want to see God's glory. That's what he says. I, I, I looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. That changes everything. And that is why we are here. That is why Harvest is here in Fairfax. Because we need to see the glory of God. That changes everything. And when we gather together, we open up his word, and we lift high the name of Jesus. We are declaring, you are it. You deserve the praise. Why? Because you are powerful and you are glorious. We've seen your power. We've seen what you've done, what you are doing, and what you promised you will do. And we also just see who you are. You are glorious. There's no God like you. And that's why we exist as a church. And if we're not overwhelmed with the sense of sense of awe then we're just not seeing him correctly this is what happens when we're in the presence of god in fact that's what they experienced in in the book of exodus in the book of exodus god came down and rescued his people and brought them out of slavery and then they're wandering around in the desert and he told a guy named moses he said hey moses i want you to go build a, a tabernacle that's a big fancy word for a tent i want you to build a tent because I'm going to dwell in that tent. 
And then the end of the book of Exodus, in the last chapter, in chapter 40, they finished it. They finished the, the tent, and it says, then the cloud, that was the presence of the Lord, it covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. That's what happens when you're in the presence of God. What's crazy is, that we, we've already read this, we already, we're working on memorizing this. Paul told us that now because of Christ, because of what Jesus has done, we all with unveiled face are beholding the glory of the Lord. We get to see God's glory. And it is so important now for us to get into God's Word. Get up in the morning and get into God's Word. You may see the glory of God. It's so important for us to gather with God's people to worship and to get going on mission, to get this gospel of God's grace out. Because here's the thing, we so easily get our eyes off of Christ and we start to get distracted by what's going on around us. And then what happens is, it's almost like God's glory diminishes in our eyes. And we start to think things like, yeah, I mean, God's great. He's, I mean, he's great. He's not that great. I mean, I got other things that I really want to do. But is that true? God's glory does not diminish. He is glorious. And so if I'm, if I'm not seeing it, then I'm not seeing him correctly. And when I see his glory, my vision is correct. And I get it. There's no God like our God. We want to see his glory. And when you do, you'll pray what David prays in verse 3. When you see his glory, here's what happens. You say things like this. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So when you see God's glory, can I just say, you just get it. You just get it. There's no comparison. It's so much better. And, and this word, uh, this word is a very interesting word in the Hebrew. Um, this word steadfast love, it's the Hebrew word chesed. And I've actually told you about this word before. It might be translated love or loving kindness, steadfast love. Uh, this is one of the most important words in all of the Old Testament, used over just over a couple hundred times. Uh, it talks about God's love, but not just his love. It's his strong love. It's his faithful love. It's his enduring love, his covenant love. This is God's, I love you no matter what, not because you deserve it or just because I have to, but because I want to and I always will love. That's the kind of love that it's describing. And when David sees it, he's like, man, this is a no-brainer. This is so much better than life. I'd rather be with the God that loves me like that. I'd give up anything for that. In fact, the great preacher Charles Spurgeon has said this, to dwell with God is better than life at its best, life at ease, in a palace, in health, in honor, in wealth, in pleasure. Yea, a thousand lives are not equal to the eternal life which abides in Jehovah's smile. That's where I want to be. In the presence of a God who loves me. And when we truly see God's glory and his love for us in Jesus, that he purchased us with his blood on the cross. We didn't, we didn't deserve it. And he's showering us with grace. When we see him, we're not going to be tempted to fill in the blank of our heart's desire with anything else but him. Like you're it. God, if I could just have you, then I'd be happy. I'd have everything I want. That's what I want. And so we're pursuing this together. And lives are transformed when we see the glory of his steadfast love in the gospel. I love that Paul has demonstrated this. We saw how his life was so transformed last week. 
get this. Here's what he said. See this on the screen. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. You know this verse, okay? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. See, once he got it, God is so much better. Than, what is, you, you can take my life. That's it. I get Christ. I have everything that I want. Could you pray that? Could you say that prayer? Is that true of you? Can I say, Lord, your love is better than my comfort. Your love is better than my ease. Your, your, your love is better than my health or vacation or my work or success or security or friends or my kids or my wife or my husband. It's better than everything. God, your love is better. Those are great things. And, and, and those aren't things we're supposed to like hate. Though. Those are terrible. Those are good things. But if we were to put them on the scale, which one is better? Can I give you a test? Like, I know we hate tests. But let me give you a test. Okay, me, I'm going to give you a couple questions just to think, just to help you understand. Like, I want to know, is this really true of my life? Is God's love better than life to me? Here's a couple questions to think about. Would I have joy even if God took away some of my greatest blessings? Some of the things that I hold dear, some of the things that I love the most, I gotta be honest, like this question wrecks me sometimes. Because I gotta think about some of the things that I love most in this world. And I've I've had to think, like, would, would I be able to give that up? Like my beautiful wife, like, like, I don't know. And, and listen, if I am afraid of losing something good on this earth, and I'm so fearful that I think my life would probably just fall apart without it or that I might even get mad at God for taking it away. It may be because I am not convinced that Jesus is really better. Could I say that? I could lose it all. But if I just had you, I'd be happy. That would be satisfying. How about this? Do I regularly go days or even weeks without picking up my Bible to read it in my own time? You see, this is where we see the glory of God. And so if I'm not really eager to get back into the book, into the Bible, and when I've missed a few days, and not just because I feel guilty about it, because I really want to spend time with God, then it might be because the distractions of this world have caught my eyes and dulled the sense of pleasure in His presence. That somehow I think I've got something better to do than be with Him. I want to be in His presence. Here's another have I overcome any hesitancy and my own excuses to boldly share the good news that Jesus says with an unbeliever in the last month? Maybe even in the face of adversity. Have I shared the gospel lately? If not, why not? Like, I think we need to ask ourselves that. Why, why, why haven't I shared? Is it just not worth it to me? Am I not compelled? Am I just not thinking about it? Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. It's going to be really hard for us to say, Lord, your love is better than life. But you know what? I've got to focus on my life. I've got a lot of things going on right now. So like, I really don't have time to think about you, my Savior, and this great commission that you've sent me on to go make disciples of all nations. It's going to be hard for us to really say that if I put my life in everything I have, he's better. Last question. Have I recently had a strong desire to sing and to raise my hands and praise the Lord when I think about his love and his grace to me. Like, do you get excited when you come to worship? 
Because God's love immediately outweighs my life. When I see it, I'm like, that's so much better. And it leads me to worship, which is exactly what he says at the end of verse 3. He says, my lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live in your name. I will lift up my hands. When I see the glory, my hands are going up. And I, can we just, like, real talk for a minute? Weird, okay? I get it. Like, if you're coming to church and, and you're kind of new to this whole thing, uh, you know, you're, you're, first off, you're like, why are these people singing in the first place? Like, we just don't do that. Uh, weird musicals do that, but that's not normal, okay? And everybody's like singing love songs to Jesus. I don't get that. And why are people raising their hands? Well, have you ever seen when something amazing happens at a concert or at a football game? What happens? Hands go up. Why? Because when you see something awesome, you got to get it. You get your hands up. You get excited about it. And what we are doing is we are declaring God. You are glorious. You deserve all the praise. That's what we're doing. And I hope you notice this at Harvest. We actually don't sing a whole lot of me songs. There are a lot of me songs. I'm going to do this, and I'm about to do this, and I'm going to praise, I'm going to clap, I'm going to lift my, I'm going to sing. There's a lot of them, and some of them are very helpful. They're very directive. They tell us what we're doing. And yet, here's the point. We want to look at this God, and we see his steadfast love for us, and personalize it, and what he's done for me. But then I don't want to, man, what a disservice if we walked out of here, and the best thing we did was we looked at ourselves, and, and we thought in some way, I am so worthy of God's love. No, as soon as we see God's steadfast love, it goes vertical, and we get our hands up, and we pray, you You are holy. You deserve it. That's why we're here. So we praise the Lord. We worship him because we've seen his glory. I don't don't want you to be motivated in any sense by guilt. If you're like answering these questions, you're like, man, I don't know. I don't know if that really is true of me that I think that God's love is better than life. Well, don't go out of here thinking that I just got to try harder. Would you just take a look at the gospel? Think about what Christ has done for you again. And when you see his glory, you realize that's what I need. That's what this world needs. That's why we're here in Northern Virginia, to point people to the glory of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And when you see his glory, it actually leads to this third action. People who find satisfaction, savor him. Savor him. Now David prays, verse 5, my soul will be satisfied. That is an expectation, and it's also a promise. I will find satisfaction. God's glory will never disappoint. It will never leave me wanting. It will never leave me empty. God's glory is satisfying. And when I see it, he says, it will, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. Love that. Love that imagery. It's kind of like fine banquet, okay? He's not talking about junk food. He's not talking about fast food. That's, okay, so, so um, like if you were to go on a date, if you were going to take uh, your significant other on a, on a special date, this week um, was my beautiful wife's birthday, and, and we were celebrating. Uh, you notice what we did not, I did not post any pictures of me taking her to McDonald's this week. There's a reason for that. I love me some cheeseburgers and chicken nuggets, right? But, but we're talking about it needs to go a little better than that, right? Uh, and, and my budget can't handle what she deserves. But we want a little bit better than fast food and junk food. David's not talking about the junk food. That might be in the fat category, but that doesn't count as the rich food category. What he's talking about is fine dining, like a banquet. Remember, he's in the wilderness, and so he's having to use his imagination, 
but he can imagine a lot. But even that, he's like, that's what it's like when I see you. I savor it. It's like the best thing I've ever tasted. And, I, and I, I'm full. I could push back away from the table. Your presence is better. My imagination, my hungry imagination can't even compare to being with you. Your, your presence is better than the best food piled high on the king's table. And when I taste it, that's it. That's what I want. Psalm 16, he, he prayed this. He said, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. It's in your presence. That's where I find joy. That's where I find pleasure. My deepest desire is to be with you. You savor it. This is what I've always wanted. We have to believe that, right? Hebrews 11 Chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 6 tells us this. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he, listen, listen, he rewards those who seek him. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, Jeremiah. When we seek after God and when we see his glory, you will find what your heart has always longed for. I, I love what he said. My, my, it's not just... Like, I'm going, to be, I'm, going, I'm going to be full. My soul will be satisfied. The deepest part of me. I found it. There's nothing better. He is satisfied. So if you're seeking satisfaction in anything else, you're going to be severely disappointed. You know that, right? It's only drinking deep in the gospel, standing under the waterfall of the glorious presence that you find something. This, this is refreshing. I don't want anything else. This is satisfying. And then my hands are lifted up to receive my deepest desire. Or you can lift like here, that's fine. Once you've tasted of his glory, um, you'll do this fourth thing and you won't even be able to help it. Verse 5 says you praise, praise you with joyful lips. So you sing for joy. Sing for joy. There's like no way I can stay silent. i got to sing about it. And I love verse 6. He says, that I, I even remember you. Verse 6, he says, I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. Man, I can, it's not just when I get together on Sunday morning with all God's people. I'm thinking about you. I can't stop thinking about you. I'm thinking about you all the time. And verse 7, you've been my help. In the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. So, so, so that, that shadow, that'd be a really good place to be if you're in the heat in the wilderness, right? In the shade. And I'm under the protection. And, and David's praying. He's got all sorts of enemies. I've got people that want to take me out. I have enemies. But I'm under the protection of my God. And it doesn't matter how dark my days get. I have found my deepest desire. I've got to declare it. You are worthy of praise. That's why believers sing. Do you know that? That's why it's not weird. Because we found the thing that is so satisfying. And even in the midst of trials and difficulties, we can have joy, no matter what we're going through, because we can be with God. So when we stand under the waterfall of His glory, we are overwhelmed and we are satisfied, and then our story is changed. That's what we're praying for this year. We are praying that we're going to have 100 stories of lives that have seen it, they've tasted it, they know it's better. What's going to happen is we're going to see sinners, skeptics, and seekers who are saved. And then we're going to see them here singing because they found their Savior. Today we, it's kind of a special day. 
I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. And uh, we've got three guys that are getting baptized. I'm going to ask them to come on up here as well. It's a special day for us because when God has changed your story, when He's changed your life, that is a story worth telling. And we want... These guys have already made a profession of Christ. Um, the baptism, just so you know. Come on up, guys, right here in the middle. Baptism, line right up here, right in the middle where, where you want to be. A baptism doesn't save you. I hope you know that. We're about to go out, and we're, we're going to baptize them as soon as we're done. It doesn't save you, uh, but, but Jesus asked us. This is part of being a disciple, that we would follow him in obedience, and it's a way to make a, an outward public declaration of an inward transformation. And we don't change ourselves, right? But God has done that. And these guys have some stories to tell. So I've asked them if they would be willing to kind of share with us their testimony. So Justin, I'm going to start with you, man. Will you, do you have your notes? Are you ready for this? Would you just kind of share with us how you came to know Christ? Uh, 26 years ago on a first hour. No, I'll skip. Um, when I was three, uh, I, uh, my mom says that I asked her uh, about God and uh, what happens uh, when you die. And uh, as she says, uh, that was the first night that I, uh, after we discussed, uh, that I ended up praying uh, and uh, and asking Jesus uh, to come into my heart and, and be my Lord and Savior. And uh, then when I was 12, um, I uh, made my first public declaration uh, in, in front of uh, a church congregation and uh, uh, accepted the Holy Spirit uh, at a, at a church service, and uh, then at 18, I met my beautiful, lovely wife uh, at college, and uh, we uh, were uh, active at a Presbyterian church, um, and uh, that was a big part of our, our lives together, and then uh, since coming here to Northern Virginia, um, we uh, have, have joined Harvest, and, uh, and now at 26 years old, um, I want to take the next step and uh, be baptized in front of this uh, lovely community that has taken us in, and and loved us and supported us for the last uh, two years. And I'm very happy to be part of that. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. I got to tell you, it's, it's really fun to have family here. I'm glad you guys are here. What an awesome thing. Maybe, maybe that's your story. Maybe God did that a long time ago. You got saved when you were a little kid. And uh, we praise God for that. But we have a couple of guys that uh, were not and did not even grow up in the church. So, Ryan, I'm glad you're here, man. Tell us, tell us your story, how you came to Christ. Um, I was born into a Catholic family, so I'm originally from Bangladesh, so I came in the U.S. in 2010. So then after that, I was a bit active in the LDS, the Mormon church. So then I stopped for a while, because in LDS, in Catholic, I'm not bashing anybody, but, <laughs> okay, but both of them has got like similar kind of things, like uh, it's uh, your work-based religion, and you hope that your good work is going to be better than your bad work and on the judgment day you'll be judged by that which is totally contrary to the book of Galatians, Ephesians, whatever you want to say because we are saved by the by the grace of Christ because Jesus died on the cross he didn't say okay I'm half saved or Pastor Jeff is quarterly saved because he's a pastor, no he said everything is done and finished so that's the long story short and um, I think also it written on the book of Hebrew yeah I think seven it says like Jesus is the high priest we don't need anybody else because through Jesus I can have the personal relationship and that's all and then I realized like work-based religion is not going to save you because Jesus died to save me from the law I should not be under any law or any bondage 
So those are the, like the basic things like I came to understand about Jesus Christ which was totally absent from the LDS or any other work-based religion church. So that's how actually I think I came to know Jesus. And I just got to let you know like cool story how he came to even like find our church. You remember the movie that we watched back in January Resurrection of Gavin Stone? Well, there was an actor in that movie uh, that was put out by Vertical Church Films, kind of in our, our church fellowship. There was an actor, uh, Shawn Michaels, the wrestler. Yeah, you remember, Shawn Michaels. So he calls me, and he's like, is Shawn Michaels in your church? And I'm like, no, nah, we're not that cool. But he came, and he heard the gospel. Just praise God and how, how he works. It's fantastic to hear his story. And then this guy, Richard, tell us your story, man. So I grew up in, uh, in a church, in a church family. I went to a, a Episcopalian high school, and uh, it was there that I actually started questioning my faith a lot, and I actually fell out of the church for a long time. Uh, things started happening in my life that I couldn't explain or attribute to anything other than the fact that God was actively pursuing me. Uh, I went online. I said, you know, I want to find a church that uh, that cares about me personally. And I ended up finding Harvest and finding Jeff. And Jeff was kind enough to take the time to sit down with me um, weekly and just talk through a lot of the questions that I had, a lot of the things that I was really wrestling with. And I... And I just knew that God was pursuing me in just some really crazy and strange ways. And it got to a point where I I had to give my life back to him. I, I just, I, it's all for him. Praise God. Amen. Thank you. I remember uh, being in the coffee shop with Richard, and he says, I don't know, I just can't explain it. It's like God's trying to get a hold of my attention or something. I said, yeah, I think to just hear how God is working. He's doing it. We're praying that lives are going to be transformed when they see the glory of Christ. So uh, we're, going to, we're going to baptize these guys in just a minute, but we want to continue to worship. So let me just pray and ask the Lord's blessing on this. Father, we give you praise. Thank you so much for stories. Thank you for changing these guys' stories. Thank you that you have saved us. It's by your grace. It is by your mercy. It's not, it's not us. It's not our works. And so we give you praise. We give you glory. Father, I'm praying that even today, maybe we're convinced a little bit more that you are better. I can let go of anything else in this life and say, if I just had you, I'd find satisfaction. You are what I want. We love you, God, and we give you praise. In Christ's name, amen.